Before we get rolling into today's episode, I want to tell you about our sponsors. First, we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. You can go on there, get signed up to trade hunts, go knock some birds and areas off your bucket list. Uh, You go in there, you uh, sign up, uh, tell what you have in your area for hunting, what area you are in, and then you can search around for people around the country, uh, see what birds they have in their areas, and uh, you can talk with them, trade out hunts with each other. There's also some uh, hunting forums on there, and they've got some merchandise. In the merchandise, they have the Salty Fowl line of clothing, where 100% of the profits from that go to the conservation of eiders over there on the coast. So that's a good website. Definitely go check it out. Again, that's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Now we have Steady Wing Outfitters. That's Mikey Soberano up in Northeast Kansas. Uh, He specializes in waterfowl, turkey, and deer. You can find him on Instagram or Facebook. It's Steady Wing Outfitters. And if you want to book a hunt, you can call Mikey at 785-410-2304. Now we have 701 Pursuit. That's the guys over there in North Dakota. They're making some hunting and fishing videos. Uh, It's really good, high-quality stuff. You can find them on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. They also have a website. It is the numbers 701pursuit.com. They've got clothing on there, hats, shirts. Next, we have Bulldog Baits over in western Oklahoma. They have crankbaits, jigs, soft plastic, spoons, jig head, sinkers, anything you guys need for tackle, for fishing. Go check them out. Their website is bulldog, B-U-L-L-D-O-G, dash baits, dot square, dot site. You can also find them on Instagram at bulldog underscore baits, or they're on Facebook too. Definitely go check them out, see what they got. There's something there that you're going to want. And lastly, we have my dog training business up in northeast montana uh we're training retrievers right now we're gonna do a little bit of breeding in the future you can find us on facebook or instagram it's highline retrievers h-i-l-i-n-e retrievers and you can also get a hold of me at 406-783-7083 i'm more than happy to answer any questions you have or to set up some training if you want in the future don't hesitate to call me at all So thanks a lot. Check out all of our sponsors and enjoy the show. Well, the cubby took wing, shotgun singing, a pointing dog down in the old logging road. And then he got three and looked back grinning. I fumbled around and I tried to reload the country. All right, welcome to the Wicked Hunting Report. This is Garrett. Today I'm with Zach Johnson. He runs Northern Pursuit Taxidermy in Evansville, Minnesota. So Zach, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, uh, <clears throat> like I said, or like you said, Zach Johnson, Northern Pursuit Taxidermy. Um, been doing it for about three years now. Um, do mostly ducks, uh, a few turkeys, a lot of geese, and uh, a couple deer. Um, just started deer recently last year and um, been hunting ducks since I was about 12. So that's kind of what <laughs> got me into the taxidermy part of it. So so how did you get started doing the taxidermy? Uh, <laughs> actually, um, my wife, my girlfriend at the time suggested that if I was going to mount all these birds, I should learn how to do it myself. <laughs> and uh didn't think it was possible, but then after getting a few birds mounted from guys and just like the <clears throat> the quality was varying a lot, and uh, I just thought, you know, wonder if I could do better myself, and so I just kind of developed a drive to get good fast and be able to mount my own birds, and now I don't have time to mount my own birds anymore. <laughs> did you just like start Googling it, or did you go to a shop and say, hey, teach me how to do it, or did you take an online course, or how how did you learn how to do it? Um, so I, at my old job that I went to college for, machining on breaks and stuff, every break I was just watching like YouTube videos, uh, searching the internet for info. I probably did that for 
five months, six months, and uh, <clears throat> then I just took old widgeon out of the freezer that I shot in North Dakota a few years before and gave it a shot and uh, didn't turn out super great, but I've seen worse <laughs> and uh, kind of went from there. had a few buddies that were like, hey, I'll let you practice on these birds I've had sitting around and uh, kind of went off that for seven, eight months, you know, and kind of trial and error. And then I did a class with uh, Neil Hagberg is his name. <clears throat> He's in southwest Minnesota, New Ulm, and uh, did a two-day course with him. Uh, kind of wanted to learn how to – he mounted wood ducks that were just perfect, and I wanted to be able to do that. They're kind of a harder one. And watched him mount a wood duck. I put a ring bill together that I'd shot, and uh, that really, like, helped jump the, the gap. Um you know, he's got, I don't know how many years experience <clears throat> that I was able to pick up a lot of in just a couple of days. Um, and then recently in, in August, I went to, uh, down to Alabama and took a, a turkey class with Shane Smith and John Beard. Um, Shane Smith, the guy that's sculpted all the bird bodies I use and stuff. Um, and they do, they do that. John Beard does like 300 turkeys a year. Um, Shane does, he's got a huge workshop. He's got employees. Uh, they do a lot of birds. Um, when I got done with that turkey class, I had kind of picked his brain about ducks a little bit, knowing he was mainly a duck guy. And, and he gave me just enough info that I wanted to, he was doing a, um, a duck class right afterwards or a waterfall class. And, um, he was offering it on zoom and I wanted to get home and get back to work after a four day, five days off, whatever. And so, uh, I watched his Zoom waterfall class while I was skinning birds here um, and picked up a bunch more stuff from him. Um, and that was kind of the more recent class I did. I did one a deer class with a guy just kind of to get started on deer. But um, obviously the main passion and drive is the, the birds. But, um, but yeah, so basically started out trial and error and did a few classes that really helped. Okay. So a question that listener had, Matt Burns asked this, um, if a guy wanted to get into taxidermy, now that you broke your way into it, I guess, how would you recommend they get started doing it? Like what tools they need, what gear, and then what's the best way to learn how to do it? Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of info online. Um, I would suggest going, getting into some, uh, taxidermy pages on Facebook, um, taxidermy.net has a lot of info and there's a lot of guys that when they start they're trying to get started they go to these pages and there's tons of taxidermists that have been doing it for years and these people just keep asking the same questions like what do i need to do or whatever like how do i fix this but and people get kind of annoyed with those guys that are just asking these same questions over and over as soon as they get into the group and if you just go to the search bar on the top and have whatever your question is, just search that question. And there's many posts. Like if you want to learn how to cast a duck head, you know, from a your real head, you know, there's stuff like that. There's, I mean, anything you want to know, somebody's already asked it three times. Um, you know, for starting for ducks, I mean, you gotta, you gotta have an airbrush. You gotta have a fleshing wheel. You gotta have, a, um, you know, you gotta find a supplier. You gotta buy some, bird heads i you know, use artificial heads for ducks usually um there's some uh injection stuff for injecting the feet so they don't shrivel up and get all dry you see on some mounts like that um you know if you can afford to you know spend a little bit of money and go take a class with somebody right off the bat some kind of a beginner course i would say that would be the best way into it um that you're gonna be able to learn um Otherwise, just watch and every video you can find on YouTube and don't be afraid to watch them a couple times, especially if you try mounting a bird and then you go back and watch those videos again. You might remember like some of the stuff you didn't think was important the first time. You might pick it up the second time. Um, yeah, it's, you know, tax for bird tax. I mean, there's not a whole lot of overhead to get started, I guess, um, just to do a basic startup, I guess. Um I made a flushing machine myself with a electric motor, a wire wheel, and a and a tote. <laughs> um, I still use the same one, actually. Um, yeah, 
just as you keep going, you can keep buying a little bit more stuff, but um, just to get started, you know, those few things, bird bird heads, bird bodies, airbrush, um, you probably mount a bird with that stuff. And then just practice and trial and error and don't think you're entering a contest with your first one? No, probably not. Um, yeah, just, you know, don't be afraid to ask some people, you know, if you do get one put together, you know, put it on one of those pages and, you know, ask for advice, you know, what can I change or something. But, you know, as you're working on the bird, just like, God, you're struggling with something. Just go to those pages and search it. And I mean, that's what I did. It might not work for everybody. It'd be a good way to get started, at least. Yeah. So, like up in my area, we don't have a ton of bird taxidermists. It might be a while before we take one or can get one to it. So, there's the pantyhose myth. You stick your duck in your pantyhose and throw it in the freezer. I've heard people say do that. I've heard people say don't do that. Is that something you should do or is that a big no-no? Never, don't ever put them in pantyhose. Okay. <clears throat> so what's the correct way to store them in your freezer until you can get them uh, somewhere? Like if you have been stuck on like having to put them in pantyhose, it's okay. But once you put them in pantyhose, put them in the freezer uh, bag too. I mean, people have brought them in just in pantyhose and like there's nothing to protect that skin from the freezer, you know? Um, would you like, I think about it, would you put a, ribeye in pantyhose and stick it in the freezer for a year and then eat it you know i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just i don't know where that came from i think it's because when you slide a bird in their head first it does lay the feathers down nice but it it doesn't always lay them all nice um and it's really a pain for the taxidermist to get the bird out of the pantyhose I, i without you try not to like cut any feathers and stuff and that's still tight to the bird um the best way to do it is just wrap the, take a wet paper towel and wrap the bill and the head at least all the way past the eyes, and then um, wrap the feet in wet paper towels also. Um, lay a dry paper towel on the back of the bird, and then you know they might have rigs, so you got a rigor mortis, so you got to move that head back and forth a little bit, but lay that head on the back, and um, like a sleeping position, like turn it back, or you mean flip it straight yeah, over backwards. On its side is fine. Just like you know, just lay it back there on that paper towel, um, and you can put shove some dry paper towels down in their mouth, um, so when they thaw it, some of that blood doesn't come out. I mean, <clears throat> it'll it all washes out, but like it, if you can make it the cleanest you can keep it, it makes our job easier, you know. Um, so once you get it laid on its back, slide it into you know a bag that has plenty of room for the bird. You know, don't. Don't be trying to like jam it into a quart bag if you've got a mallard or something. Get a. You mean like a Ziploc a, bag or you mean yeah. like a grocery bag or yep. what? Ziploc freezer bag. Okay. Um, uh, get a two, two and a half gallon if you can. Lay that bird down there in the bottom and then uh, grab the bird and start rolling it up and squeezing the air out and then slide that Ziploc shut. And you can even put a piece of tape, you know, like a masking tape around the middle just to keep that bag from unrolling and being able to. I've seen sometimes where they unroll and then um, I don't know what if it's just the temperature changes with the door opening, but that bag will get air back in it again. Um, doesn't hurt. Don't cinch anything down super tight on it, you know. Um, vacuum sealing's bad. Um, if you vacuum seal a bird, it can leave like that that pattern from the bag on the feathers. Yes. Uh, if you do, if all you have is a vacuum seal, um, just start sucking the air out and hit seal before it start like before it even gets too tight on the bird um that would be fine too but um as long as you got that head and those feet wrapped in wet paper towels um they're they, i mean i've seen guys three four years in the freezer like that um taxidermists um and have no problem they come out the eyelids are nice and pliable still everything's good so um yeah i've seen <laughs> we've seen a lot of different things but uh, that's definitely the way to do it with that wet. Don't ever put dry paper. Uh, besides that, you know, you can put that dry one on the back just to help collect any liquid that might come out while it's thawing later. But um, any newspaper or dry material, it sucks the moisture out of the bird. So we've had <laughs> we've had like a Sika shirt. A guy just wrapped the bird up in a Sika shirt, cut off jean shorts. Um <laughs> Saran wrap, wax paper, I mean, 
it's, there's all kinds of socks. I, I couldn't, the one guy brought in a, two snow geese. He had like one in each uh, leg of his cutoff jean shorts. <laughs> That's all he had. It's interesting, but I knew like uh, he wouldn't mind me talking about it. I know the guy pretty well. But it was funny, but, um, so I've also heard of soaking those paper towels in Windex instead of water. Is that a myth too, or is that something you should stay away from? Um, I, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, there's ammonia in, um, Windex and it, you know, sometimes Windex can help with freezer burn just to help rehydrate the skin a little bit. Um, I don't know if it would do anything to help the, I, I haven't heard of that, I guess, for freezing it. Um, but I think with that ammonia in there, it could have a chance of like causing some, like the feathers to fall out. I would think I've, I've heard of, because ammonia has got like, I don't know if it creates bacteria or if it has bacteria, but um, I would stay away from it, I guess. I don't I don't know anything about that. I've never heard of that, I guess. Okay. So I guess a little recap on that. Uh, wet paper towel, wrap it around the legs, wrap it around the bill, up to the eyes, if not past it. Wet paper towel in the back, flip the head back on the paper towel, put it in a big Ziploc bag, get all the air out, put it in the freezer. That's the best way yep. to do it? Yep. Okay. Good. Clear up a bunch of those myths, because I've heard quite a few things the right way to do it, and then the next guy will say, that's the worst thing you can do, and he'll tell you something different, that the next guy will say, no, that's the worst thing you can do. You do it this way. <laughs> right. And especially, like I said, up here where, I mean, it might be two years before you find a taxidermist that you can actually get it to and stuff like that. And yep. I've heard quite a few people have nice birds that end up getting freezer burned or ruined somehow. Yeah, for sure. So... Here's another question. If you got it in the freezer and your freezer shits the bed, is that bird toast too, or can you refreeze it? If, it's, if it didn't, it depends on how long. Um, if it smells rotten, it's probably bad, but if it just thaws out, you can refreeze it. It's not a problem. Okay. That's um, a big issue then. I've had <clears throat> days where you take something out, you think you're going to get enough more done than you did, and something comes up and you just throw the bird back in the freezer it's it's gonna be fine you know if everything in the freezer stinks then i would say it's probably not good but um if you if it's not a super far drive to a taxidermist i mean if you got something cool it's worth bringing it to them and at least having them check it out that's what i tell people you know i've had guys throw away blue phase rosses that their freezer crapped out on them and i'm like well you could at least brought it over i could have told you you know but if it stinks i would say probably probably throw it away but Okay, so what is the correct way to handle bird in the field that you want to get mounted? Like, what's what's some do's and what's some big don'ts so you don't mess it up? So if you're if you think you know there's a, any chance you're ever going to mount a bird, I would just keep some of those Ziploc bags or any kind of Ziploc it doesn't even have to be a freezer just to, for in the field, but just keep them in your blind bag. You know, you can take a few freezer bags, roll them up and slide them into another freezer bag and put it in your blind bag. And, you know, as soon as you shoot that bird, it's especially if it's cold outside, you know, like at least just lay it in that bag. So nothing's going to bang up against it, you know? And, um, I've even taken the stuff out of my, um, blind bag and just laid the bird inside there, you know, maybe put some gloves or hats around it, you know, just to protect it, you know, don't be throwing it in the pile with all the other birds. And then, you know get all messed up and um just try to keep them as nice as possible um i mean we can fix a lot of stuff but um don't you know like a lot of times late season is when you're going to get your nicer birds at least up here um so it's cold and you know you take that wet bird out of the water and lay it don't lay it on a on a metal boat bench or something you know or in the bottom of the boat so that water is going to freeze to that boat and when you pick your bird up you're going to pull feathers out that's like one of the worst things that i've heard of happening um just try and keep it like you want it to look when you get it back from the taxidermist you know i mean it's like i said we can fix it but um if you just take a a bag with you and and slide it in there nice and carefully and till the end of the hunt i mean that's about the best thing i think you could do um you know if it's warm out for some reason i mean usually you're not going to shoot a nice bird when it's warm but um keep the bag cracked you know so it doesn't build heat from the warmth of the bird you know keep the so the it can keep cooling down but at least the bag's going to protect it from you know something slamming i mean it's you're never in perfect conditions when you're hunting but 
um, if you're on a hunting trip and you're planning on bringing birds back, you know, just keep a cooler too, a cooler with some ice in there or dry ice if you can get it. They get those bag those birds bagged up just like you would for the freezer and lay them in that cooler, get them cold right away. Okay. So is hanging them by the head or neck really a bad deal, or is that just kind of something you guys complain about? Well, you're talking like the the um like the straps and stuff. Yeah. Hanging strap. Yeah. I you know you can you can pull feathers out that way, and I wouldn't chance it, especially if it's something that you really want to mount. Um. Yeah, is it possible to put it on a strap and take it back off without losing any feathers? Yeah, but I'd say there's a better chance. I mean, you know how the birds look when you take them off the strap after a hunt? They look pretty rough. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say. I'll just try and keep it as nice as you can. A couple questions. A couple people asked this. What's the difference between just like a regular mount you would do versus a competition mount? Yeah, that's a good question. I was actually hoping that would come up. Um, So... Some guys, you can look at their competition birds and their commercial birds, and and there's a big difference. And I don't know, I can't say why that is because it's not me. Um, but <clears throat> for me, <clears throat> my competition birds, the the process to go to a competition bird isn't much different than a commercial bird. Um, I guess the couple things I would maybe spend a little more time on is uh, the foot injection. So with injecting the feet, you're basically filling that foot with a, like a resin that's going to set up and get hard and keep that foot from just shriveling up and looking crispy is what I think it looks like. Um, so judges are really, I mean, they're like looking for this over injection or under injection of feet. Um, so is that something I'll, that uh, just a normal person would notice, or is that just like you guys and the judges would notice that type of thing? That thing like most people wouldn't notice that. I still, I'm still not under injection. Some people might notice over injection, probably not so much because they're just going to look a little bit fat. I mean, if you don't inject them at all, it's really obvious. Um, okay. Uh, so I, I'm going to watch that, um, babysit it for a couple days before I even mount the bird because <clears throat> I take all the feet off of my birds. Most a lot of people do, I think. Um, you take them off and inject them, and then you can watch them for a couple of days. And you know, if you're if you think they're shriveling, you can inject them a little more, or you can, as it starts setting up, you can kind of squeeze some of it out. If you know, um, so it's a little bit more time, but not a whole lot. And then um, getting the little wrinkles like in the foot. I mean, there's it's just stuff that most people wouldn't even have even look at, you know, when they look pick up their bird. But um, and then the there's eyelids like on a bird there's like a eye ring around their eyelid it's tiny i mean you almost can't see it um for competition you have to sculpt those on there there's multiple ways to do it but um that's what i just did on this bird i just sculpted them right on the head first um basically you're gonna tuck the, the actual eye ring that's on the bird you're just gonna tuck it behind the one you sculpted and it's tiny about not much bigger than a than fishing line thread like a 20 pound braided line i mean it's it's tiny but it's just the stuff that the judges are going to look for where uh, most people wouldn't put that on their commercial birds because they're just gonna nobody's gonna see it or notice um there's a few people that do but um that's about it for me uh but some people really i don't know there's a lot of difference between their commercial and their competition birds i don't know if that's just because they're in a hurry or what for what it is for sure but for me i'm gonna sit there and i'm gonna preen and adjust and i mean i'm gonna try and make every bird look as good as i can you know so for me it's not a whole lot of difference but so how do you do the feet and legs like are you skinning that out and then putting it back together or is it like bone in or how does that even work oh the bone all stays in there the um you basically cut the foot off right at the where the foot like the scales of the foot meet the feather line okay cut around gonna cut around there you generally you're gonna run a wire through um underneath that foot skin um for a standing bird it's gonna come out the bottom you know to go into the base uh flying birds usually gonna go down through the toe and just not come out anywhere um and then you can shape the foot with that wire you can make the bend and and uh you know for like a if a bird's walking, it's going to come out partway down the toe so that it kind of has like that tipped up, like he's just picking his foot up or 
whatever you can shape the the bird however or the foot however you want with that wire um then i glue off that seam at the top of the foot um so that injection stuff stays in the foot and uh just a syringe and it's a two-part mixture you just put it in each toe and squeeze it in and kind of work it up the foot um that's basically how it is and that that injection makes it look plump and alive and real um and it also um kind of preserves the foot from any bugs or anything down the road so are you using customer birds for your competition ones or is it just your own or like does somebody request it or how do you pick your competition birds um a little bit of both uh last year all the birds i brought except one were customer birds actually and that's where um maybe that's just me being unorganized but i just uh i had done some really nice birds before the competition and uh a couple cinnamon teal really nice wood duck and uh a mallard that was really nice and then i I did a goose that i shot in new jersey um i did that for the competition too um that was mine and the rest were customers but this year it's kind of a mixture of both um i got a really a nice blue wing teal of customers and uh a really nice ring neck from uh ring neck duck from kansas um those two are going to go to the competition and then i think the other three are mine um so it's just kind of up to me like uh you know when i get a cool bird like that um you know i just ask them i say you mind if i take your bird to the competition and and they say yep no problem usually because they know you're going to put a little more time into it even you know (laughs) but uh so then at once they say that's fine then i'll start doing the little bit extra things with the eyes and the feet and stuff like that so since yours are so similar between your competition and commercial do you charge a different price if you say that it's going to be competition quality or do you just keep them straight across uh like if i'm going to take somebody's bird to the competition well like like that bird you like you asked if you could take it there so he knows you're going to do some more work into it do you charge him extra for a little bit no. extra details at all no i, I don't because he's doing me a favor by letting me use his nice bird um, i figured so but yeah, you know, and, and then uh, if when I win, like if I win a uh, ribbon, I'll um, ask for an extra ribbon at the thing and send it with the customer too. Okay, so, so now if someone walks in and say they want a competition quality mount, is that, I guess, different at all to you? Like, are you going to say, okay, well, it's X amount of dollars more because I'm going to spend extra time on it? Uh, Yeah, I guess I've never had anybody ask, you know, but if somebody would said they wanted the eye rings and the uh the feet and stuff i mean i don't know that it would really be that much different other than the eye rings but um you know i guess i could maybe charge them a hourly rate for the the little bit extra work i've never thought about it i guess um okay for bolt like for repairs on real bad damage sometimes i'll charge like an hourly rate for extra stuff like that if it's really bad um so yeah maybe otherwise I, you know, if he just said, hey, could you put eyelids on my bird? I I don't know. I probably wouldn't mind. But I probably, you know, if, if it started being where everybody asked for it, I'd probably just start doing it on every bird and then just raise my prices a little bit just to make up for that time. So what, what are prices at if somebody wanted to bring in a duck to get mounted versus a goose versus like a swan? Um, For me, my prices, my ducks are 425 and then, um, like snows, specs, cacklers, Ross, um, they're all at 550, I believe. And then Canada geese are 725, and then uh, swans are uh, it's 1200 standing and 1300 for flying, I believe, or is it maybe it's 1100 standing? I can't remember. <laughs> they don't do too many swans. Usually they're full of pin feathers and don't aren't able to be mounted. But what's the uh, coolest bird you've got to mount? Um, I got, I just mounted a blue Ross not too long ago. That was pretty cool. Um, those cinnamons that I brought to that competition, uh, those were the first two I did. I mean, I've done a few since and they're all really cool, but, um, it's kind of a neat bird. Um, you know, I got, I did a Canada goose that was crossed with a Egyptian swan or like, that's like a farm bird. And, uh, it was just like a big Canada goose with, had kind of like a rusty looking chest and then it had a whole bunch of white speckles all the way down the neck. And then it's, uh, it's bill had kind of some weird features. 
So I ended up actually casting, molding and casting the real head from that bird. And um, to keep all those characteristics that it had. Um, and then I did some eiders for a guy that were pretty nice. Uh, They're the Atlantic eiders um, from Maine. Um, Drake standing on a rock with like another Drake coming in to land by it. Um, that was kind of cool with some <clears throat> ocean, some sea habitat and stuff on there. So those were kind of cool. I got some cool ones coming up. Uh, I haven't done a ton of like hybrids or anything, but I have a bunch more of those blue Rosses. And then a um, couple of brewer ducks came in recently, the Gadwall Mallard hybrid. Um, and some, I got some eiders and stuff coming in too um, soon. So got some cool stuff coming up, but haven't gotten a chance to do too many hybrids yet, which is kind of sad. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's about it, I guess, for cool ducks. What's your uh, favorite species to work with? Like, what do you think is the coolest looking bird? I guess common ones that wouldn't be like a hybrid or something. Yeah, probably the wood duck is my, that's like, the the wood duck I took the competition last year, and I put it together, like, my heart did some little flutter thing, and that's the only bird that's really ever done that for me besides this uh, ring neck I just did for the competition this year, but it was weird, like, I, when it just went together and, like, when you get a wood duck groomed out perfect it just like it's just not too often where you feel like wow that thing looks like it could get up and fly away you know um so I, just wood ducks have always kind of been my favorite growing up it's what we shot a lot of here um in high school and stuff and i always kind of thought they were cool um so they're probably my favorite bird like to put together um if you want if you're thinking like what the easiest maybe is or like the like the less headache could be like a bufflehead. They got really tough skin. They got like, I mean, you can like flesh them and not have to worry about tearing holes. And um, that'd be a good one too for the guy that was wondering what, uh, what to get started. I would, I'd do some kind of a diver duck to start with. Um, that tougher skin. They, uh, they just when you're learning how to flesh a duck, it's easy to rip. And so don't start with like a mallard. Mallards are the worst. <laughs> we do a lot of mallards. So that that was a question. Uh, what's easier or the hardest, puddlers, divers, or sea ducks? To yeah, uh, definitely divers and sea ducks. Um, not everything about a sea duck is easier, um, but like as far as fleshing goes, they got tough skin. Um, but also some of them sea ducks, like you have to deal with like the skin stretching way out when you flesh it. So you you try like eiders get like they their skin just stretches way out, and uh, you kind of got that's why it's called taxi like you've got to move the skin back to where it's supposed to be and um so those are kind of tough but yeah i would say bufflehead that's kind of like your would be a good one to practice uh or start out with um tougher skin and um a little smaller not so much to go to deal with versus like a swan there's so much swans are swans are pretty tough um there's a lot of work same with turkeys i can see that for different species, what's the best mount? Like for a mallard, what position makes them look best? For a wood duck, what position makes them look oh. best? Like, what's your sure. different styles for different species? Um, so we mount a lot of um, snow geese and uh, snows and blues and ross. And I think um, the angel wing we call it pose, where they're coming in with their wings back, kind of flared out. Um, if you look at our page, there's tons of them everybody's kind of caught onto that pose and everybody likes it and um it's kind of my favorite one to mount um for those and i mean it just kind of looks like a snow goose finishing in the decoy um so and you can do an open mouth on them you know because geese are always cackling and stuff when they're coming in so um that's kind of cool one for those um i really like standing positions for ducks um just because when you see a duck standing or just kind of loafing you know it's kind of just for me, my favorite thing to look at is just a duck standing out in the water. Um, wood ducks, especially, they got those big gold side pocket feathers with the white tips on them, um, and then their their hoods all puffed up. Um, then probably not a popular. It's probably kind of an unpopular opinion, but I really think mallards look cool standing. Something about the big big gray sides on them. Um, I don't know. They just look cool to me, or like. When you see mallards out feeding in a cornfield, um, that's kind of, 
I don't know. It just looks cool to me. For me, like flying birds, like when you do a flying mount, it's just like it's just like stuck in that position where if it was an actual bird flying, it'd be moving, you know. So I don't know, like just a bird standing there, it looks as real as possible because like you know a standing bird isn't really moving much. Um, for like divers and stuff, I kind of like them uh, just like laying down on a rock, like especially you put some ice or something on that artificial ice on there and it just looks like a cold day the sun came out and he's sitting up on the rock just trying to kind of relax and warm up um i think it looks cool but um i try not to tell customers like what i want to do because you know if i did what i thought looked cool every time then i'd be mounting the same position every single day and <laughs> get sick of yeah. it but but yeah I, I my favorite thing is when somebody comes up with a cool idea or just tells me like you know uh do what you can with it and try and make it look cool as possible and then i can kind of let my my mind work at that i mean i'll be thinking about that bird from the day they drop it off till the time i mount it because i'm trying to you know just like get that opportunity to do something different so a quick question on like a wood duck how their hood puffs up how do you guys do that like how do you get it puffed up to stay puffed up instead of just being slicked back magic (laughs) no it's uh there's a few things um usually those artificial heads they're actually made just a little bit small so you can put a filler in there um just a little bit like you know not too much because you can get your anatomy off real fast but um what i do is when i get the bird up there i'll get the skin pinned around the eyes and then um i'll blow air inside the um inside the head so like the skin's open around where you cut it off the bill so you got that artificial bill sticking out and then you blow air inside the skin and it kind of like puffs it up a little bit and then you take a little syringe it's got an extension on it with um uh siliconized acrylic caulk and you put it go back all the way to the back of the skull and you kind of just run a bead so you're kind of filling that void back in where like maybe some fatter tissue was on the head before you kind of fill that in and that holds that hood shape and i'll do a little bit in the cheeks you know which um birds don't always have puffy cheeks but usually when they're standing they're a little bit puffier and it looks looks kind of nice um so that that's kind of the best fillers you can put little pieces of cotton in there too that works um and then glue the skin back around the bill and then uh I'll also take like my blow dryer and just blow air like over and it kind of runs over the bird and um, kind of grooms itself that way. And, you know, there's little tools, tweezers and and, uh, like foam pads you can kind of run along and sort the feathers out and stuff. That makes sense. It's not just throwing some skin on a on a body or a head and all of a sudden it's puffed up. You're actually doing the work for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's a little bit involved. How much time and work do you put into making the scene or the rock or whatever the duck's going to be on because lots of times if they're not flying they're standing they're usually like you said on a rock or a piece of wood or something how much thought do you put into that stuff i kind of give people the option of whatever they want um let them kind of customize it themselves you know i'll maybe throw some ideas at them if it's a sea duck there's a lot of artificial seaweed and um little critters like starfish and whatever you can throw in there crabs um but yeah, I usually ask people like, hey, where did you shoot it? You know, oh, we shot this mallard in a cornfield. And they want it standing. I'll just ask them, you know, well, how about if we have it like feeding and like it's walking through the cornfield instead of just standing out there, you know, or, and you know, I'll just give people suggestions like that. Um, so as far as like thought into it, I guess I let the people kind of pick their, um, what they wanted on. And then from there, I'll maybe throw some ideas at them. But usually, Usually, a lot of people just go with a basic piece of driftwood, and that's that's all the thought there is. But otherwise, um, you know, if somebody wants a cornfield, it, you know, there's some time into it, uh, mixing up dirt and resin and corn chunks and uh, stuff like that. I guess. Um, yeah, I try to. I don't know. When people actually want to do cool stuff, I try to throw some ideas at them, if I can, to try and make it look as cool as possible. Because then the next guy's going to see it and think that's what he wants you know something that i always wanted to do i've always had a picture of it in my head is i love redheads like that'd be my favorite duck 
so I always had a picture in my head, even since I was in high school, it's like a rock, and then it's got like that fake water across the top, like the glass or whatever it is, with like yep. a little bit of weeds or whatever here. The duck is like halfways through that, dive down to go eat. There's a little bit of the grass or whatever coming up, and then down on the bottom like would be the the ground underneath the water. There's a little piece of like wood or a branch down there, then like a rapala lure or something stuck to it, like someone snagged it and broke the line off or something. That yeah. was always something I had pictured in my head, but, I mean, that's always something that was going to be too spendy for me, especially now, but right. if someone wants to steal that idea, there you go. Sure. That's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. You know, it's people thinking outside the box. And that that kind of stuff, you know, if, if people have wives that are, like, maybe skeptical, like, they bring home something like that, it's it's more like artwork than just a bird yeah. on a um, and See, that was my thing, too, is, I mean, duck is cool and all, but, I mean, there's a million ducks, and most of them, for the most part, look the same unless it's a hybrid. So if you're going to do it, make it look like artwork, like make it look tasteful, because otherwise people just walk and say, oh, there's a duck. I've seen a yeah. hundred of those. Yeah, and that's but, another thing, too, is just find a – if you can find a quality taxidermist, you're going to bring it home, and probably your wife's going to think, wow, that actually looks pretty cool compared to what I was expecting. Because there's so many, especially like old taxidermy that are in – bait shops and and sporting goods stores that people like wanted to throw away so they donated it or whatever and that's what a lot of people think of as bird taxidermy this is these crappy old mounts and um it's getting to be more of an art now people are putting a lot more into it um especially like the suppliers they're trying to make constantly making new products to make it better and easier for us and you know i i did a couple of um interface blue geese for a guy standing on a cornfield plowed field with some snow and ice and you know whatever and he brought it home and his wife was real skeptical when he brought him in she's like you're gonna spend that on these two geese and we're gonna put our geese in our house and he brought them home and she's like wow that that's actually like really cool can we put that on top of our tv like so they put it on their top of their entertainment center you know it was like the center of their of their living room now and, and he thought he's gonna have to put it in the garage when he got it home so you know it it does pay you know to give it a chance <laughs> yeah how many uh, fake receipts have you had to write out for guys to show their wives what they told them they were going to pay? Haven't done that yet, Noah. Maybe we just got – I don't know. Maybe everybody around here understands. I'm not sure, but I've never had that. That's I won't I mean. say his name, but I was with a guy that went to go – well, it was a gun, but he had talked to the guy pre before, and he went in and paid with his card and got a receipt for that, and then he paid for the rest in cash. And there was no receipt on that. So what he told his wife he was going to spend on a gun, the card payment was that, and the receipt said that, and then he had other cash for the other. I think it was like eight hundred. So <laughs> it's not like it was a cheap gun. But uh, I, I could charge extra for that. Uh huh. That's what I was thinking. Like the eye rings. What kind of mess ups and damage can you fix, and what would be too damaged to mount, in your opinion? Like obviously, if someone shot a duck at five yards and blew a hole the way through it, probably not gonna be able to get that done. But what can you fix? Yeah, it's a lot more than people think, you know, and that that could just be, you know, some taxidermist probably just they have enough work and they don't want to they don't really want to mess with somebody's whatever busted up thing. Um, you know, I, so some examples, I guess, like if you if you blow its head off, there's not much you can do. I mean, if the skin is gone, I mean, you're just not going to be able to mount Um there, you know, I got a, a guy shot a leucistic Drake Mallard, and the, he, like, blew the wing completely off. And you're not going to shoot another one of those probably in your life. So I told him we'd mount it standing, and then I just would basically take the wing off and not even have a wing on that side and just have that side to the wall, you know. So it kind of comes down to, like, what the customer might be willing to deal with, too, um, where that you know, might not be quite as obvious as if you didn't put the head on the bird, obviously, but, um, so you wouldn't want to do some things, but, um, you know, if, if the feet are, the holes, there's holes shot in the feet, and they're all mangled, um, you know, we can buy some artificial feet for it, or just maybe have it laying down and, and just skip the feet, just act, have them so they're, like, tucked up underneath, um, you know, they're, and it comes down to what the bird is too, you know. If if it's just a if it's just a mallard, you know, maybe gonna go shoot another one the next day. Um, 
is your dog's first or last retrieve that's maybe gonna vary what i would say um maybe it's a hybrid or something we got to find a way to mount it um i had a guy brought a speckle belly in from north dakota it had a corn stalk through its chest and uh they pulled the corn stalk out of the ground and left it in the bird and brought it in and uh um took it out of there and it was I told him it kind of depended on what it looked like when I skun it out. So I got a skun out and the and cut like a, it, a just a V in the chest. It didn't actually like rip any skin out. Oh, uh, so you could stitch it up. So I was able to just sew that, you know, and you can you can keep all the feather patterns the same way and get it sewn up. And you couldn't even tell that there was a hole there when it was done. Uh, I thought you were going to say they wanted it mounted with the corn stalk in it. Could have done that, I guess. I never think of that, but it's a good idea. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's, I would say if body parts are completely missing, um, probably not a go, uh, I've had a lot of times like snow geese, you know, people are shooting them, especially in the springtime, they're up there, they're past shooting them and they're way in the sky and they hit the ground and it like their wing just busts when it hits the ground even, you know, and I've had like the bones break and like come out the wing, you know, like blow a big hole in the wing basically. And, um, and they, there's a lot of arteries right there and there's always lots of blood and stuff. And, you know, I would say if it's something that you really want mounted, you know, maybe you just gotta, um, sacrifice the pose that you wanted and, and do like a standing mount where, you know, I might be able to sew that hole up, but when it, when that bone busted out, it tore a bunch of feathers out too. So you're just never, it's never going to look, nice again there but if you do it standing you're never going to see that spot you know so there's there's options to hide things um uh another thing is like blood you know people i've had people come in like oh i got some blood on the feathers can you still mount it you know and and that's not a problem usually um you know if it's even on snow geese where they're white yeah yeah it'll come out of there Um, okay golden eyes are another one that bleed like crazy i mean you know, they're if you ever shot a golden eye, they're tough as nails. I mean, there'll, there'll be blood coming out of their face, you know, and they're still trying to swim away. And, um, but they'll bleed like a ton. And um, you know, it's not a bad idea if you just take some white paper towels and wipe some of it off. You know, you're not going to hurt anything. But um, you know, it's there's ways to get the blood clots. The, the clots down deep in the feathers by the skin are usually the hardest part. But you know, there's cleaning stuff that we use to, um, I would say 99% of the time it'll all come out and, uh, um, yeah, blood, blood's usually not too big of a problem. Um, yeah, sometimes, I mean, one thing with blood, like those clots though, if you, um, if you do have it in the freezer for three years before you bring it in and it, um, sometimes that blood clot stuff does want to freezer burn a little bit. So, you know, maybe if you got a real bloody bird, that's one you want to get to the taxidermist right away. And maybe we could wash that out before we freeze it or something you know because if it sits in your freezer for three years and then sits in ours for a year or two you know then it's the blood clots could get a little bit harder to get out but okay say 99 percent of the time not a problem if you're out there and you shoot a bird and it hits the ground and it's running and you want to get it mounted like you can tell like say it's like a hybrid so it's special what's the best way to take care of that like bring the neck could be bad pop the head off but what's the yeah. best how do you recommend going about that situation? If you can just, if you can grab it or your dog grabs it or whatever, um, I hate doing it. I almost never do it, but if you can just like lay it down nicely and kneel on its chest or its back and tell it suffocates, that's going to be probably your best way. Um, I hate doing it. Like I just feel bad, you know, you want to get it over yep. quick, but, um, I've, I've heard of people um, complain a lot about the finishers, and it's kind of a real, it's controversial. I, I've i had a few birds that I mounted, and I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, unless they happen to shoot it perfectly right there, I'm guessing they used a finisher. And I didn't notice any horrible problems, you know, but that that's one of them spots where a lot of that blood comes out and clots up there. So, you know, maybe those people just don't know how to get the blood clots out as good or, I mean... I would avoid it, I guess, if possible. I mean, anytime you can, the least amount of holes you can put in the bird, obviously, is the best. But um, if you if you can do that, just uh, um, kneel on its back or chest, and that, that's probably going to be the least damage. Um, you know, I've 
I've shot cripples too, you know, obviously not close, but you know, if you can't run them down, you got to shoot them. Um, you know, I would just, <laughs> I, I usually try to aim about a foot over their head and just hope a BB catches one. one catches you know? them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's hard. Like it's, it's, it's a hard decision to make, especially like if you see a, some pintail mallard hybrid swimming away from you, like you don't have too much time to think about it. You want to get it in your hands quick, but. Yeah. So you're saying the best thing to do is sneak up on them in the park, catch them and hug them to death, right? Yeah. Yeah. That might be the best way. <laughs> well, I mean, they put all those pretty bands on them. What do they expect you to do? It's like they're teasing you. It's entrapment. I know it. <laughs> So an odd question, uh, has anyone asked you to mount their pet for them? Um, nope, I don't think so. Um, Would you do it? A pet duck? <laughs> no, like a pet, like a dog or a cat or something like that? No, no, I don't think so. Um, I mounted a, my dad raised these, uh, rowan ducks, which are basically, uh, a mallard but they're like six pounds or they're like twice the size and um we always joked when i was a kid about getting one mounted just because it'd be like when people walk in they'd be like oh look at that mallard and um i i when he was going to quit raising him i we saved a drake that was like three years old and i mounted it for him as a birthday present and uh so i guess that'd be the closest thing to a pet um but yeah i don't i wouldn't probably do some big dog i mean i Maybe if I was more of a, a like a big game taxidermist, then I would think about it, but not too interested in it, I guess, right now. Um, real quick, there's guys, especially out on the uh, West Coast, that use stuffer decoys. If somebody wanted to make like a dozen stuffer decoys, what's the best, I guess, way that you would do that? You know, cheap and, I guess, something that's going to be sitting out in a field a bunch. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be um, great quality. I've thought about that too. Um, you know, I, I would probably, I would probably try some some kind of spray foam, maybe. Um, you know, if you could, if you could skin it out and get a lot of, if there's fat, you don't get all that fat off. If you could, you know, flush it like you would for taxidermy, and you probably wouldn't have to wash the wash it quite as intense as like a, a mount bird, but. Um, I would probably like once you get it to the point where you're going to put it back together, get it blow dried. And then I would stitch it up except for maybe like one spot and like take some low expansion spray foam on like a big nozzle, like the ones you put on a gun and put it in that hole and maybe just like, um, fill the bird with that. But I don't know what people do for, um, stuffers, I guess I've never really looked into it much. You could probably just carve, buy some cheap, um, foam and just carve a body that's close to the right size and i don't know just get as much of the material out of there as you can as far as uh, meat and fat but i don't know I'm not, that's probably not a very good answer to the question <clears throat> that's better than nothing if you know right. more about i guess maybe um i don't know what they use even normally but all right let's talk about hunting a little bit now now that we talked about what you do after the hunt um blake lawrence told me to ask you how minnesota season went for you and then he said something about a big shoot in a pit in fergus oh um we i don't know when when the season started i thought we were going to have our best season in a long time um we had the early teal season for the second year in a row uh in september uh got a four-man limit the first day three-man limit the second day that was my dog's first uh two hunts and um those birds stuck around actually a long time there was mallards in there with them we hunted that same spot um on i think we hunted on opener the day after opener i can't remember but um there was for a few weeks there was 600 teal four 500 mallards in this pond and i mean they were there all through teal season um did really good for a while and then you know the mallards got stale real quick um and then once the teal left you know you couldn't really get much in that spot but um there was some there was a lot of birds in the spots um we we're doing pretty good 
but it just never got cold and they everything was pretty stale um and then it got cold fast towards the end and um got a couple decent hunts but it was it went really quick it was real stale and then it was just everything pushed through real fast um that the that hunt up in that pit on fergus um my buddy uh a guy i've known for a while and i've done some taxidermy work for uh invited me up there um me and a buddy went up there and he's got a pit they don't it's a non-guiding pit they have a a lease agreement that they won't ever guide there Uh, it's just a buddy pit um i want to say it holds like 14 guys or something but it's pretty nice you know they got tv and heaters and stuff down there which you know it's <laughs> it's kind of like an ice castle for a fishing area for hunting but um i don't i don't remember what we end up shooting that day but i know whatever how many guys we had there nine or ten we i think we had our limit i think it was nine guys we had our um the 45 geese i think um so we had our limit when we left and then i heard i guess some more guys came out um after we left and shot some more but um there's just a it was kind of a blizzardy day and uh there were some geese roosting outside of town actually um and they were just coming back into town from the roost which is what they were saying had been happening anyways and um yeah it was pretty cool they come over pretty high and get on the calls and they just one spin and straight down and they were right on the lids <laughs> it was pretty cool i'd never I've hunted up around there, but never in a pit. You know, that's pretty wild when you're under the ground and they're pretty much landing on top of your head. Yeah. It was one of those days where you couldn't do wrong, though. Those blizzardy days when they're just wanting to get anywhere that there's other geese. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. a magical thing, but. You stick I mean, your head up out of the pit for like 30 seconds and you got a snowdrift in your hood. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. See, that's one of those things where. Most guys won't get to experience that because if it's at that in those conditions that they want to come in like that, it's so shitty. I mean, you don't want to be out there in your layout or something. You pretty much got to be in a heated pit or something. Yeah, I've been there before. That's not fun in a layout blind. Yeah, I I did one one time in a layout blind, and I don't think I'll ever do it again. It was a good hunt, but like you said, you stick your head out for a couple seconds and you got a whole snowdrift in your hood. Well, by the time we got done, I mean, we were pretty much just a layer across our layout blinds. Like it was just a drift straight across us. And we were hitting good, but so were the decoys. So yeah, I was when we say, started out, it was good. By the end, it sucked. If you don't open your doors for a while, your hide gets about as good as it can be. What is, I guess, your most memorable or best hunt growing up? Like, give us some good good hunting stories. Um, Growing up, I I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of them. I know probably one of my favorite hunts recent in the last few years would be like um, – uh, one day it was we had a cold front coming in and there's a um, there's a duck lake that's kind of a historical duck lake uh, right where I grew up and Lake Christina is what it's called it's it's known for like it's a big lake but it's only like three feet deep and it's great habitat for divers and puddlers whatever <clears throat> but we had a cold front coming in usually you can count on birds at least stopping there on their way down and um, me and my wife were gonna head out there after work and uh, my buddy went out there before uh before i did and he said he texted me when i was on my way home from work and he said the mallards are are moving in and um he already shot a few and then we drove out to a different spot out there and it's getting you know i mean there's only two hours or whatever to hunt after work and so we're throwing decoys out quick as fast as we can this little hole out in the reeds and pulled the boat in and uh kind of set the blind up and we're under the blind putting shells in and uh we look up i heard something and there's like 25 mallards backpedaling in the decoys already and uh shot into those and we ended up shooting our limit of mallards and got some widgeon and some pills that night and I, like my wife doesn't i mean she likes to hunt but she doesn't get like super wound up and excited but uh i think that was probably the best hunt she'd ever been on it was really fun just to like watch see her actually get super excited while we're out there and so i'll never forget that one um as a kid you know i don't know we had we hunted a lot when i was in high school just you know it didn't really matter we just go out even if there wasn't birds and um i remember one with my buddy we just we set up and um the wood ducks were just like one of those days where they probably you probably didn't need a decoy they were just coming there anyway but 
um, we had our limit of wood ducks in like three minutes. You know, <laughs> it's like they're landing in the decoy. We had, I think we threw out six decoys and um, we shot our what, three apiece. And then I bet we watched 60 of them, 70 land in the decoys after shooting light. Um, that was, that's the last time I really saw a lot of wood ducks actually here. I don't know what happened to them, but um, yeah, it's hard to pick a favorite memory when you're talking about your whole childhood. I mean, I started duck hunting when I was like 12, so I didn't, I wasn't really out. My dad didn't um, duck hunt really. I deer hunted with him a little bit, and uh, um, I just got into duck hunting. An old guy dropped off some decoys one day, and I thought it was kind of cool, so I went and threw them out in our slough and tried to hunt ducks, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's a lot of good hunts, I guess, that it's hard to pick a favorite one. So what would be your bucket list hunt? Like, what's something you want to go after that you haven't yet? Um, I, it's just mallards, but Arkansas timber hunt, um, I think would be probably, uh, one that I want to do sometime just for the experience and the setting. Um, almost did it this year, but they, um, we were going to go down there and hunt with a guy in a, uh, in a pit, um, on a lease that we, another tax service that me and a buddy know, and, uh, they ended up getting a whole bunch of rain right before we went down there. So we didn't end up going. Um, and then the, the timber hunting, like, I think it's been fading from what I've heard over the years. It's not what it was like in the, you know, 2000s, early 2000s. Um, but besides that, I guess like Arcan or uh, Alaska would be one. Like um, Cold Bay maybe or St. Paul Island for king eiders would be pretty. It's probably one of the next ones I'd like to do soon. But um, well, after I saw the uh, Tony Vandemore thing when you went and did that, that definitely hopped on my bucket list. His what was old, that? Jason the Tony Vandemore's thing, where he's Jason the King or whatever it was called. Oh yeah. King Eider. Yep. That I didn't even know that was a thing until I watched that and then I was like, Yeah, I I need to do that at some point. That looks awesome. It looks miserable, but it looks awesome at the same time. Yeah, the uh um the other one that I really want like I haven't shot a I sh I haven't shot like a actual stud pintail. I I've shot like for Minnesota nice ones, you know, but we don't really it's hard to get actual nice birds here, but um um, like some pintails in California um, would be pretty cool out in the rice fields or something. Um, that's actually happened next year. I could talk to somebody about doing a little um, getting together for a hunt out there. Somebody that I know that lives out there and they shoot, you can shoot one pintail and then watch 500 of them the rest of the day land in the decoys. But um, yeah, that's definitely probably one of my favorite birds. They're hard to get. Already you can get them pretty good in Oklahoma too, but I mean you already got a hunt lined up. But I've yeah. seen some pictures and stuff from Oklahoma, and they look they look pretty good there. I mean we're running through the same thing as you when they come through here. It's not like they're all nice and pretty looking. They're in their yeah. shitty shitty colors. Yeah, there's definitely plenty of nice ones in Oklahoma and, and Texas too, but like and and Arkansas. It's just I think something about those California. I don't know, just the the setting out there too with those rice fields and stuff. I think would be cool, but I mean Arkansas would be similar, I guess. But yeah, yeah. To anybody listening that's got their bucket list, and you get on uh, DuckSeason.com and get signed up for the traded hunt. If you can't afford a guide, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, which is pretty much what you're doing in California, like you said, you talked with some guys and you got something planned out. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a nice way to do it. So, is there anything that? you want to mount that you haven't yet like a bird that nobody's brought in yet but you're hoping someday someone will yeah like probably a that, bucket list mount yeah like that mallard mallard pintail hybrid i think is probably one of my favorite um hybrid um i think that would be really cool um yeah you know, i wanted a blue ross for a long time and i ended up getting like four of them in last year to mount so that was pretty cool um i already got one in this year from arkansas spring snow goose so I guess that one's not really, that one's been covered now, but um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Hybrids, I think, are probably like the most, like they're they're not all going to be the same. So it kind of keeps them more unique. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, that'd probably be the about the only one that I'm like, I'd really get excited for. <laughs> yeah. 
I just think it would be cool to do the taxidermy just to see that type of cool stuff that you might oh. never get the chance to get and then somebody else did. I mean, just to see it and yeah. handle it would be awesome. Right, like those leucistic birds that I've done, um, like harlequin that never shot a harlequin, and I mounted one here not too long ago, and it's just like, man, or, you know, same with those eiders, king eiders, Atlantic eider, like, you know, I don't know when it'll be that I get to go shoot one or if I do, but, like, it's pretty cool to be able to handle one right here and bring it back to life, too. <laughs> well, that was something, too. Do you feel like you're, uh, you have an your time mounting like uh wood ducks and mallards because you get to see them and see like what their bodies and postures look like compared to something that you haven't shot or you're kind of guessing or is that a thing at all um not too much because like pretty much everything i'm on i'm looking up reference photos for um you know i mean i i watch a lot of i, I look at a lot of pictures of ducks i'm kind of just a like ducks are just my thing. <laughs> I look at them all the time, um, and also looking at other people's mounts. You know, um, follow a lot of good taxidermists better than me. And uh, you know, every time I see, you know, maybe before I did those eiders, I'd see a hundred sweet eider mounts and like how they had it all positioned out. <clears throat> and you know, so I already had an idea in my head of how they should look. And then just having that reference photo right there while I'm putting the bird together helps get all the little details keyed in i got you all right well i think it's about time we're over an hour now so i think it's about time i let you get back to work and finish up that bird so uh sure. if people want to get a hold of you get something done or if they want to check out your work what's the best way to get in contact with you and what's the best way to see your stuff i would say facebook or instagram northern pursuit taxidermy is probably the best way to um find my work and and uh you can message me right on there. Otherwise, uh, phone calls fine. Uh, my number is three two zero three zero four five three one three, and that should be on my pages too. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for coming on and teaching us what not to do with a bird. Now you guys know, don't shoot the head off and expect to have a bird mounted. <laughs> um, if you get any more cool birds in or anything like that, send pictures my way. Love to see it. Anything yeah, hybrid if, uh, or odd. Yeah, and if uh, people have more questions or whatever, I can always do this again, too, and maybe I think of something else that I forgot to say this time. Yeah, that'd be fine with me. This is something I'm interested in, so I love yeah. talking about it. There's a reason we made it this long and didn't run out of things to talk about. I still got a pile of notes, but... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff people um, just don't know, you know? Yeah. Especially if you don't have a taxidermist close to you that even talk to about it, you know? Yeah. All right. Again, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, if you think more things you want to talk about, you give me a message. You've uh, got my number. So you have yeah. a good rest of your day and we'll talk to you later. You too. Thanks for having me on.